friends. Welcome back to Marketing Sweats. Today, I sit down with Katie McCord Jenkins, president and chairperson of Illinois Mutual Life Insurance Company. With 110 years in the industry and five generations of McCord family leadership, Illinois Mutual has grown to be a respected company in the insurance industry. And while Illinois is in their name, don't be fooled. They provide insurance and financial services to the middle market in 47 states. I asked Katie on the podcast because she's not only a strong businesswoman making waves to modernize her company, she's also a working mom with great advice and a longtime friend of mine. Katie and I actually completed our executive MBA together at Bradley University all the way back in 2008. Katie coached me through my very first managerial role at the time and made me a better leader because of it. The greatest thing about Katie is that she cares so much, not only about what Illinois Mutual delivers, but why they do it in the first place. You'll hear Katie reflect back on playing insurance even as a kid while visiting her grandparents, so you know the love of the work she does runs deep. You'll also find that Katie is committed to focusing on people and addressing them in a human and emotional way, which, let me tell you, comes quite naturally to her. I think you'll quickly hear that in this interview. Listen in and learn more about Katie's journey to build and grow her organization. I hope you enjoy. We're going to jump right in. For our listeners that maybe don't know, I met Katie back in 2008 when we were going through Bradley University's Executive MBA program, and we became fast friends. We had the best cohort ever. There were 25 of us, and we got to go to India and do all kinds of fun things. I was very early in my career then, and Katie, you gave me just a lot of good mentorship, and I've thought the world of you ever since. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. I feel like I learned from everybody else, including you and our cohort. It was a great experience that really shaped me in a lot of ways. So it was great. Very transformational. I recommend it to everybody I know. So, well, I always like to start these discussions. You know, I'm going to ask you a ton about work today and about your company, but tell us a little bit about you. I'd love to know your backstory, a little bit about growing up, your personal life. Would love to get to know you as a person a little bit. Well, sure. I mean, I'm not all that exciting or interesting, (laughs) really. Uh, (laughs) But no, I, you know, I grew up in Peoria, Illinois, where I live today, of course, and, you know, had my parents, you know, mom and dad that, you know, were both uh, in my life for all of my life growing up. And so feel very fortunate for that. I'm one of five children. So I'm the middle of five. So I'm an older sister, older brother, and two younger sisters. So life growing up was busy and all kinds of things always going on. It was never a dull moment. I have my fair share of memories from long road trips with all of us packed in the car and (laughs) growing up in Peoria, Illinois, and all that stuff. So very, very blessed, but also very traditional childhood, I guess you could say. So absolutely. And I know you're close to your brothers and sisters and still vacation together as a family. So that's very fun. Tell us a little bit then about growing up Illinois Mutual. You know, I was reading on your website, 110 year old company, five generations. We work with a lot of companies that have sort of generational leadership. Love to know what that experience like was growing up and then how you came up through the business. You know, I remember growing up, one of the things that we did growing up was we'd always go to my grandparents for like a Sunday dinner and for birthdays and things like that. And after dinner, it was always the thing where everybody kind of went into the family room and the grownups would sit and talk about things going on in the world. And 
the kids, we would play, we might go outside, we might be playing inside. And obviously, as we got a little bit older, you hear a little bit more about what the grownups are talking about and things like that. So I learned from just hearing those conversations, you know, that I knew, you know, my dad worked in a family business with his father. I heard peripherally, you know, about the business, but I wasn't ever sat down and somebody told me the whole story or anything like that. It was just kind of an organic type of thing. Then as I got older, you know, there were, my dad would travel and he would go places to help promote the company and train and recruit agents early in his career and things like that. And I would hear about those kinds of things from him. So I remember hearing about those things. I remember, I don't know how old I would have been, but, you know, maybe seven, eight, nine, I don't know. I remember playing pretend insurance, you know, with, you know, with my cousin and a couple of my siblings and stuff. And it was definitely there and a present part of my life. And as I grew up and finished high school, I needed a summer job. As soon as I was finished with high school, I was able to get a part-time job at the company and save some money for when I would go off to college in the fall. And that was really my first more official introduction to the company was that, you know, in a more professional and that I wasn't a professional then, but I was (laughs) on my way, I guess. Sure. Yes. I don't think I even know your trajectory. So how'd you get started? Did you move around the company or did you kind of stay in one lane? I mainly stayed in the sales and marketing arena for a good portion of my initial 10, 15 years with the company. After that point, I began to take on responsibility related to our policy service area and got involved in some of the other committees and functions in the company in the years following that. So, you know, it began to, began to spread beyond the sales and marketing function. But my early days were, you know, that summer, first couple summers I worked, I helped assemble policies that were issued, you know, the actual paper policies, put them together, put them in the packets and mail them out to the new policy owners. And then later I worked as an admin person in the sales department where I take phone calls from agents and help them with the quotes or illustrations that they needed, uh, they were going to present to their clients and that kind of thing. So, you know, started with some basic, good, solid understanding, though, grassroots, definitely, of what it was all about. Talk a little bit about your transition into the president role. You know, when I knew you back in our program, I think you were still sort of serving in, in the executive vice president capacity. I checked out your LinkedIn today, 2011, it looks like. It's hard to believe it's been 10 years since you took on that yeah. role. Yeah. Talk to me about, you know, not only that transition, but sort of how your leadership has evolved and changed in that time and, and how you've seen the company grow. I mean, leadership and my evolution is ongoing. I consider myself a continuous learner and I'm always striving to be better. And so obviously early on, I was growing and learning and doing a lot of things. And, but, you know, I'd been with the company 17, 18 years by that point, you know, my dad, you know, we've been, you've been talking about preparing for retirement and that kind of thing. And 
So this is kind of a, an evolution in that succession planning process. And when I became president of the company, it was actually 2008, you know, those third and fourth quarter of 2008 were really the beginning of some tough years for, for us and for many companies in the financial market, you know, when the financial crisis hit. And so over the next couple of years, we really went through some of the toughest times in our company's history, dealing with the, the financial implications of that crisis. So it was a very challenging time trying to get our arms around rebuilding our, you know, stabilizing and rebuilding our capital position. And so when I became president, our our 100th year was in 2010, and which actually, I mean, it's hard to talk about, but 2010 was actually probably our toughest or our worst financial year in our company's history. So when I took over the role of president, you know, I had somebody that I worked with at the time say, I bet this isn't what you thought you'd be taking on when you envisioned and have been aspiring for this role because you're taking on something that is not only a big job in and of itself, but at a time of real challenge, you know, for the organization. And that's true. It was, but I was very obviously committed to who we were and what we were doing and had confidence we would get our way out of the challenges and get past them. But yeah. it was definitely a very challenging time that really tests your resilience and sure. your, your, your commitment to your purpose, you know, Absolutely. as a leader as an organization. Yeah, no, I remember talking to you then. And, and I don't think people give enough credit to what a high profile role it is to run a company of your size. And, and I can't imagine stepping into that seat at such a challenging time. Talk to me a little bit, Katie, about what you feel like you've individually brought to the role, because, you know, the company's culture is very much inspired by their leader. And I know you as a friend, so I know how warm you are and and how much you believe in, you know, our community values. But talk a little bit about your vision and what you feel like you've brought to the Illinois Mutual brand. Yeah, you know, I think there's a couple of things, you know, I think I've, I've carried forward the things that have enabled us to be the long-term company that we have been, living our values, really having a passion for our purpose and our mission, and really a deep commitment to our values. Those are the kind of enduring qualities that I aim to obviously continue to infuse and lead by example. I think the things that I brought to the table that maybe were different from others in the past were I consider myself kind of a problem solver and, you know, maybe a little bit of a fixer in a way. So while the challenges that we had obviously were not ideal, no one chooses to be in any of these challenging circumstances we might find ourselves in. I feel, you know, I do have a skill set and I brought a skill set that was about let's roll our sleeves up, let's dig in, let's get this taken care of. And in a way with an eye towards the future, you know, um, I'm pretty decisive and enjoy problem solving and things like that. So, and I had a vision, you know, I believed in our purpose and so on. And I had a belief and a vision for what we could be in the future. 
Yeah. So what I'm hearing in that is as much as, you know, you have focused on the relationship you keep with your customers. I see you talk about that a lot, even in your social media posts and how important that is to you. But also it sounds like you're a bit of a driver and you had sort of a strategic focus for the company. So maybe share a little bit with our audience about some of what you've been working on to achieve that vision, even in these crazy COVID times, you know, kind of where you guys were before and where you are now and some of the things you're really proud of. I mean, I mentioned earlier, you know, our mission and our values and, and, you know, that's at the heart. But, you know, and our mission is, you know, to help people achieve and uh, safeguard their financial security. And we purposely have that written in a way where we talk about people, you know, and we talk about that security that our products can bring to people's lives. And it's that focus on people and how it really matters to them in a really human and emotional way, really. You know, I mean, our business is all about, I tell people, you know, yes, we have numbers and finance and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, what we do is around helping people with their dreams and their goals. And those are often driven by their deep love and care for the people in their lives, right? I mean, that's why anybody buys the products that we sell. So, you know, over the years, it's been about keeping a focus on that. And in my early days, it was about ensuring we have the financial strength and stability to live up to the promises that we've made to those people already that are already policy owners. And as we've progressed, it's been a continued deeper focus to really focusing on understanding who our customers are, who are these policy owners, what really matters to them, you know, what's driving them. Because if we can do a really good job of knowing who they are and what drives them, then we can help the agent be more successful in his or her role. And we can do a better job in our role in supporting and being there for the policy owner. Absolutely. What I love about that story is that you talked out of the gate about brand and values and how important that is, but I really am seeing with so many of our clients this evolution towards customer experience and service branding and making sure that every touch point matters. And I can imagine in your industry, that's very, very important because of all those touch points and the cross-channel marketing you have to do out through your agents. Can you speak a little bit about some of the things you've learned through that process and how you kind of keep that constant pulse on the market? Well, you know, I mean, speaking first of the policy owner, you know, again, we take to heart, you know, kind of this idea that we're there, we want to be there side by side with that policy owner. We know they've made a really important decision. So when they interact with us, we want to make sure in every way we can that they know that there are real people on the other end of the line, right? That if they're calling us, they're obviously experiencing that and they're talking to somebody. And we want to make sure that they walk away from that experience of talking with any of our people, of feeling like I was heard, I was, you know, I was understood in some way, you know, that kind of thing. And we obviously want to try to exude that same kind of human element in any way we can and any of the technological ways that they might interact with us. There are things that I think are simple, but you'd be surprised that other companies don't do. You know, one, we're, we sell life insurance, so our claims folks are on the front lines of helping beneficiaries who have lost a loved one and are going through, obviously, a difficult time 
So it's really important to us that those people approach that interaction with compassion and so on. And we go so far as to, you know, when we send out that beneficiary check, we include a card of sympathy. We, with that, it's handwritten, things like that. And, and I will never forget, it's one of the, I actually get emotional when I, when I tell, retell this story because it just, it, it still amazes me. And I feel for the, the person who had this experience it was a beneficiary. And she told me, she said, you know, I got the communication from your, your claims people with this card and, and, and so on. And it was so, so nice. And she said, you know, my husband had, she was a widow, you know, her husband had passed away. And she said, my husband had life insurance with another company. And it was another, it was a name brand company. You could tell when I was talking to her that she was crying. And she said, I just had to call and tell you, thank you, because I just received in the mail, the check from this other company. And it was just the check. And there was nothing else. And she said, you know, my husband was more than the check. Yeah, He was more, you know, and she just was so taken aback by the difference in the experience that she had to, she wanted to talk to me and tell me that. Sure. You know, so that's, that's the kind of company that we are. That's such a touching story. And I think as marketers, we can sometimes get lost in the the pace of our role or the technology or the automation that, you know, we're all sort of chasing. But at the end of the day, you're touching people's lives. And I think that's really important to remember when you talk about that emotional component to what we all do. So thanks for sharing that. Speak a little bit about your agents and and how you view them as a target audience. We talk a lot at Semantle about cross-channel marketing and selling through distributors. I imagine it's complex for you to think about both the communications that your agents need and your end users. Definitely. I mean, you know, the agents, there's many of the things that we communicate to our policy owners that the agents need to know and hear from us and and understand that that's the kind of experience that they're going to have when they work with us. But there's also the other training, education type of needs and, and so on. And and the things that come with that are, you know, understanding the products and the markets that we serve best and, and things along those lines. So there's a lot there. And depending on the products that we're talking about, um, we may be talking to different segments of an agent audience. So, you know, we generalize and say agents, but it's a very big generalization. So we've spent time working on understanding the segments and the profiles of agents that they're going to have an affinity towards working with a company like ours, you know, and what are those qualities? I mean, they're, you know, they're agents who want to have a relationship, you know, they're, they're not transactional. They want to work with a company where they're going to get that personal service and that kind of communication. And they can trust that their clients are going to get that as well. And they're not going to fall into some black hole of, you know, service nightmares and things like that. They're agents that serve the target markets. You know, our market is we're serving the middle income market, hardworking Americans who are working in the average but very valued jobs. You know, I mean, in this last year, only highlighted. I mean, we we serve the people who kept this country running this last year. Yeah. Nurses, all the skilled trades, you name it. I mean, the 
you think about who helped this country keep running during a pandemic and kept going to work when so many people were staying home, those are the people that we insure. That's that so we awesome. Insure. Good so, for you. I get excited hearing you talk about even how you're, you know, segmenting and personifying your, essentially your distribution network, you know, because I think that we focus so often on the end user customer, but when you talk about training and education, that's a huge part of marketing. And it's something that I get excited about personally. Talk just a little bit though, about what you guys are doing to modernize your organization. You know, we work with so many historical companies that maybe are leaders in their industry, but there's just so much catch up to do in the digital space, both to serve those agents and the end users and make those digital interactions that much easier to use. What successes have you had there? You know, what what roadblocks do you have? What advice do you have for the marketer that might be listening and also <laughs> trying to explore all those challenges? Because there's many. Yeah. I know we we are we are in the midst of a, a large scale modernization effort, and that is aimed at helping us have better technology to support the stronger communication and needs fulfillment of our agents and our policy owners, and help us be more efficient and have more information available to us to help us serve them, know them, and serve them better. And so there's so much to it. You know, last year we rolled out as part of this effort, new systems for our agents to use, you know, our Illustration Pro, our Application Pro. So they have better, better tools to help them out in the field with that Application Pro. I mean, they're able to have a better experience with the client completing an application and submitting it to us electronically and things like that. And then, you know, we're completely replacing our entire policy administration system. So that's from end to end, from basically policy issue all the way through the entire life cycle for a policy owner. So it is a very large undertaking that is a multi-year effort. And like a lot of these technology things, there's just, you know, there's so much detail. There's so much, you know, that you're trying to tackle. And it's a constant effort of making sure we're staying clear on what were our goals, you know, and therefore what's our scope, what's our commitment, what do we need to make sure we really follow through on in order to get the best value out of this effort, you know, because that's that's the key. We've got to get the value out of it. It can't just be for new technology's sake, you know, it's got to deliver on what we're going after. Yeah, I give you a ton of credit for embarking on that journey. I've worked with so many brands that really do differentiate based on their digital experience. And some of those examples you share seem like that might be an opportunity for you as well. We only have a little bit of time left and I really want to kind of dig even beyond the business and understand, you know, so much of this show is about marketing, but as you know, Katie, from our time together in the EMBA, leadership is one of my passions and you are definitely a leader that I have followed. I would love for you to talk to me about some of your core beliefs that you have used sort of as a measuring stick or guiding post. You know, you talked some about some of them earlier as it relates to the company, but is there any sort of secrets of success or sort of, you know, words to live by that you have learned in your time as a leader? For me, great leadership starts with first having a passion for the purpose and a passion for the people. And, you know, those are the two key ingredients, the purpose and the people. And you have to have a really 
strong passion for those because it's not easy being a leader. It's not all fun and games, you know, and things like that. But when you really are passionate about those two things, it can really drive tremendous growth and opportunity. And those are the two key things that I always start with and everything else follows from there. If we keep clear on our purpose and why we're here, which we're here to help people. And then we focus on the people first, the people here that are a part of Illinois Mutual, you know, our team, which, you know, they're the best team out there as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> the smartest and hardest working people. And so, you know, it starts with them and doing, doing well and helping them reach their goals, reach their dreams, you know, and be successful and helping them understand their role and how important that purpose we have is and that making that connection. And if you can do that, then so much else can really fall into place and, and move the needle. I couldn't agree more. And through our seasons, we've talked a lot about an organization's why, which is essentially their purpose. Like, why do you come to work every day? You know, and it sounds like that's been pretty consistently true for Illinois Mutual through the years. And you continue to champion that with your team. I'm also curious, though, you know, I know you're a fellow working mama like me. Talk to me a little bit about what you've learned through the years, through what it means to be a woman in leadership and sort of work-life balance issues. I know you've been a champion for some of those things and been on a learning curve even for yourself. What can you share with our audience about not only how you're doing that personally, but maybe how you're leading others through that? Yeah, you know, I think that with life and experience, you gain really valuable perspective. And I'd like to think that beyond just, you know, I'm a woman and I'm a leader, I'd like to hope and believe we're moving beyond kind of like the gender kind of base kind of stuff, because I think more and more as more and more men take on roles and responsibilities within their households, like I know my husband and I share And so he equally needs to balance work and life just like I do. And I feel really fortunate that I have a partner who's like that, you know, and, and so on. But being a working parent means it's just another example of how we have to look at the whole of a person, not just who they are when they come to work, right? And part of being good at helping people and helping them be happy and satisfied in their work is to respect and understand and have perspective, or at least aim to try to have perspective about what their life might be like. And in my case, yeah, I have two small children. So life is busy and hectic and because of things with helping and, you know, grow and parent, you know, two great kids. But, you know, there are other people in my organization who are dealing with elderly parents and other things and, you know, that pull at time and life and so on. And, you know, and especially this last year during this pandemic, it has only heightened all of that awareness, I think, you know, as, as we continue to kind of help and learn about people and the circumstances they maybe were dealing with working from home and the stressors that come with all of that work life, everything converging in in their home over this last year. So it's about perspective and it's about, you know, just being there for each other. You know, that's what I hope more than ever. And over the time I've been a mom, I've tried to kind of just share with people. Yeah, today's not a great day. I mean, it wasn't even (laughs) 
but you know, and I was already stressed, you know, about something with the kids at home and trying just sharing things now and then helps normalize it because everybody who's a parent is dealing with it, whether it's a man or a woman or whatever, they might, you know, have dealt with a temper tantrum before they left the house and that raised their more than they (laughs) ever would have raised it at home, you know, and work-life balance and things like that. We just got to be there for each other. And the only way we can be there for each other is if we let people in a little bit more, you know, and I typically am a pretty private person, but over the years, you know, I've learned, you know, if I don't tell people more about what is going on in my home life, then they will glamorize it. And it's not glamorous. (laughs) I am on the same boat, Katie, trying, you know, I think the more vulnerable you can be with your team and showing up messy, they understand that that's okay. And so I love your lessons. We are working on those things at Samantha extensively. You know, we preach that our customers aren't just business buyers, they have lives too. And so we're really looking at our own employees journey and where those intersections of life and work happen. So I think that's going to be a big challenge for all of us marketers in the next year is really looking at how we're marketing to our team. Yeah, the the communication, you know, uh, has always been so important to your teams. You know, I mean, that's always been so key. And I think this last year only raised the bar, right? And so very early on, we just started doing, I did a Friday, I still am doing it, a Friday 10-minute all-team check-in, you know, and People have said, don't stop, don't stop, keep doing it because we just like knowing and yeah. hearing from you to know that everything's going and we're still moving along. I mean, in the beginning, it was some of the information and, you know, things I needed to share in the very beginning were a little bit different, but, and it's evolved, but there's that need for connection and information and transparency that you have to fulfill, you know, Absolutely. in order to continue to engage your people and keep them doing what they're doing. Well, I love that. We were having that debate right before this call, actually, about, you know, how do we keep the information at the forefront when we don't have all the answers? And I think you just got to say that sometimes. I think people yeah. appreciate just letting them know where you are and the debates you're having at the leadership level, because it's definitely not black and white. There's a lot of gray space in between. We'll get back to the rest of the interview in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Symantle. I happen to know a thing or two about them because I'm one of the owners. Symantle is an industrial consumer marketing firm with an obsessive focus on customer experience. We not only execute killer marketing campaigns, but we help organizations align around goals, audiences, messages, channels, and tactics to create more than campaigns, but programs that align to business strategies. Symantle has 40 years experience crafting positive, engaging customer experiences at every point in the consumer journey. And if you like what you hear on this podcast, head to samantle.com slash blog for more content. You'll find articles, tips and tricks, do-it-yourself tools, webinars, and more to help you keep learning and growing right along with us. Well, Katie, I want to end with one last question, and it's something that I ask all of my participants, and that is, you know, what's a question that you'd like to pose to others? Maybe I'll pass it on in my next interview, or maybe we can write a little bit about Samantha's perspective, but what are you wrestling with right now? Oh, my gosh. Wow. I, I, what's <laughs> That's a big one. I want to ask others. 
Yeah, uh, that you'd love to have some feedback on maybe. Well, with everything going on in the world, you know, I, I'm just really curious to see and to know, I mean, how people are continuing to just evolve their business models in light of all the transformation. You know, I think that there's this convergence and this disruption that has taken place. You know, I think technology has been pushing and pushing and advancements and how we interact and we communicate with our customers. And then COVID came and completely, you know, disrupted everything and has caused this massive acceleration. And I'd love to hear more about what people are doing to accelerate their efforts in response to what's happened. Yeah, that's a great question for the whole season, for sure. And something that seems like we're wrestling with every day at Semanal. So Katie, I can't thank you enough for making the time. I loved catching up with you and hearing about your organization. And I just hope we keep in touch because you got lots of good things happening. Oh, thank you. It's been great to catch up with you too. I'm glad you guys are doing so well. We'll have to get together again sometime just for coffee or a glass of wine or something. Definitely, definitely. Looking forward to it. Good to see you again. Thanks so much. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. Katie McCord Jenkins. After all these years of knowing Katie, it was such a pleasure to catch up with her. And as you may know by now, as you've heard me say, this season is all about small pushes that marketers and leaders are making inside their organizations to grow. After 110 years and five generations of family leadership, what an amazing example of the success that small pushes can get you over time. You can check out Katie on LinkedIn or see all the good work she's doing at IllinoisMutual.com. And if you like what you hear, go to marketingsweats.com to listen to more episodes or find us on your favorite podcasting site and subscribe. Thanks, friends. We'll see you soon.